to Hebrews um, 12, and we're going to read a larger passage today, verse 4 to verse 11, Hebrews 4, uh, Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. Just to give you a background, we talked about this many, many times before, so this is relevant today to this passage. Um, whom did the author of Hebrews wrote, wrote his letter to? He wrote it to the Jews, to Hebrews, who used to be Jewish and now they became Christian. And because of persecution, this is key. So you need to understand the context of what he's saying here. This is the context, extremely important. Because of the persecution, they wanted to go back to Judaism and they wanted to abandon Christianity and abandon Christ. Amen? So this is the context. And uh, in that context, let's read what he was telling them here in Hebrews 12, 4 to 11. He's saying, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have, you, uh, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebuke you because the Lord discipline the ones he love and he chasten everyone he accept as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. And this is what I decided going to be the title of the message today. Just these four words or three words in a preposition. Can we say this together? Endure hardship as discipline. Can we say it all together? Because I want this phrase to be ingrained in your mind. And every time you face hardship, I want you to remember these four words. Amen? Because this is extremely important. Endure hardship as discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Such, such powerful words. Moreover, we, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seemed pleasant at that time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I've never looked or studied this passage in depth like this week and just blew my mind away how good God's word is. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Remember what we talked about last week? What was the title of the message? Fixing your eyes upon Jesus. He said, in the midst of persecution, when everything is going wrong, remember that you are in a race and Jesus is the forerunner. Don't be distracted by the, the weight that put you down or the sin that attracts you, but rather focus on Jesus and run your race as hard as you can, right? right. Now, in verse 4, 
he's kind of closing that thought from last week. We should have took it last week. But he's saying, you complaining that you are struggling and because of the persecution, which is all true. But remember that even in your struggle, you have not yet died for the sake of Christ. Remember before last week, he said, focus your eyes on that. Jesus, right? How, to what point, to what extent did Jesus suffer to fulfill the will of God? To the point of death. Have they reached that point yet? No. no. So they have not reached to the point of, of, of endurance, of pain and, and, and hardship that Jesus himself has endured. And not only Jesus. Remember in Hebrews 11, the cloud of witnesses? At the end of it, many of them died, were persecuted, were sawn into two, were stoned, were put to death by the, by the sword. Why? Because they wanted not to abandon the faith. You guys are with me? Yeah. So he's telling them, yes, I know it's hard, and I know it's tough, and I know you are being persecuted. But remember that even in the midst of the hardest of your hardship, you still have not yet reached the level of endurance that Jesus did, and a lot of the cloud of witnesses have also dead. Amen? So the idea here is this. He's saying twofold, kind of encouraging them to do two things. Number one saying, yes, it is tough, but it is not as tough as it has been with so many other people who love the Lord dearly. But number two, you need to be prepared that even though you have reached to the point of shedding your blood in order to resist sin, in that case, probably apostasy and abandoning Christ, then you should be willing to reach that point and gladly sacrifice your lives, but you should not compromise or mess with sin. You guys are with me? Now, this is a verse that you also need to keep in your mind in your daily walk with Christ. At one point, is God expecting us to resist sin to the point of? Bloodshed. If you have to shed your blood but not compromise, this is what God wants you to do. This is God's word, right? Makes sense. Jesus himself said, if your eye offend you, plug it out and throw it away. I don't want you to live in sin. Even if it's going to cost you out your eye or your hand, it doesn't matter. No matter what price you have to pay to resist sin, you have to resist sin. Amen? Amen? Amen. So that actually should have been with last week. Now let's start with this week. <clears throat> He's telling them now to try to look into the persecution that they are going through as a form of discipline from God. You guys are with me? And in order to support that idea, he started in verse 5 and 6 by quoting a scripture from the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at that. And then from verse 7 to 12, he kind of preached his sermon on these verses that he quoted from the book of Proverbs. You guys are with me? And we have seen the author of Hebrews doing that over and over and over again. That's his style. He quoted a scripture from the Old Testament and then he preached on that scripture that he just quoted. Amen? Now, Something very important here, and that part was confusing to me till I start looking into this. When even in verse 7, in the beginning, when he say, endure hardship as discipline. The way I understand discipline is, it always comes to my mind like when my son, Micah, or, Kez, or my daughter, Kezia or Sila, they, they do something wrong, then what do I do? I 
discipline them, right? I, I inflict some sort of hardship, I give them time out or whatever the case is, so that they learn not to do that again. So I always understood discipline in, as, in terms of correction. You guys are with me? But the, the, the people here, the Hebrews, they really didn't do anything wrong. They being persecuted for the sake of Jesus, right? But yet, the author of Hebrews is telling them, consider this hardship as discipline. And that was confusing to me. Why they're being disciplined? They haven't done nothing wrong. But here's the answer to that. The word discipline does not necessarily just involve the idea of correction when somebody does something wrong. Amen? It also involves the idea of training, the idea of instruction. That's in the Hebrew context of the word discipline. But even in English, we don't use the word discipline only to, in terms of correction, right? We say, you know, I, I tell Micah, my son, if you hit your sister, I will discipline you, right? In English. But also we say, if you want to lose weight, you should be disciplined, right? So the word discipline here in the second sentence doesn't involve that you have done something wrong and you need to be punished for it. You guys are with me? It's more refers to the idea of training. I'm going to be disciplined to lose weight. That means even though they haven't done anything wrong, I'm not going to be punished for anything. I need to be strict. I need to consider it as a training ground. No matter what it takes, I'm going to go through that hardship so I can be disciplined and I can achieve my goal. Amen? And that is the context, really, where the author of Hebrews is telling them, consider the hardship, the persecution that you are going through as a, a form of training given to you by God. Don't abandon this hardship. Don't think that God is not in charge and that your enemies are controlling your life. God is still in control. And he's the one who's allowing you to go through the persecution and the hardship. Because he's a good father. And he's using all of this as a training ground for your benefit. You guys are with me? Now, every time. I want you to do this for your own good. And for your own walk with God. Every time you endure hardship. Whatever the case is. Your fate your life is not in the hand of a person or your boss at your job or anybody else who can control your life. You are a child of God. You are a daughter of God. Every minute detail of your life is orchestrated by God who's a loving father. Every hardship is still ordained by him as a form of discipline, as a form of training ground. You guys are with me? So that is extremely important. Always keep that in mind. Remember these four words. Every time the enemy tries to mess with your brain, just say these four words to yourself. Endure hardship as discipline. Amen? Now, let's see what the author of Hebrews, how the author of Hebrews expounded on that here. Again, he first quoted from the book of Proverbs, and then he preached his sermon on that. Verses 5 and 6. If you don't mind, actually flip the page with me. We're going to compare these two verses together, and then we're going to see what he says. So if you have the notes in your left hand, you're going to see the quote from Proverbs. In your right hand, you're going to see the quote from Hebrews. So I'm going to read both. There is three differences, very minor differences. So let's try to spot the differences that the author of Hebrews has here. In Proverbs 3, 11 to 12, 
the speaker in that context was the wisdom of God. You guys are with me? The wisdom is speaking and the wisdom is saying, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not uh, resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those who love as a father, the son he delights in. So the wisdom is speaking, and that's what it says in the book of Proverbs. Now, the author of Hebrews, when he quoted that verse, he didn't say that the wisdom is speaking, right? What did he say? It says this. Let's read it together. He said, but you have forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons which it says my son do not despise the discipline of the lord so who's speaking in the book of hebrews god right not the wisdom of god god himself is speaking and that's the first difference the second difference that the author of hebrews did on purpose is that in the second part of verse five the book of proverbs says and do not resent his rebuke and here in, 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 in Hebrews, it says this, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. You guys are with me? So he added the word he rebukes you and instead of just his rebuke to make it personal. He added the word you to make it personal. You guys are with me? So that's the second change that the author of Hebrews did. Now, the third change that the author of Hebrews did, which the author introduced um, that she, um, a speaker, you, Okay, I think that's pretty much all. So um, the author did these three things. The author of Hebrews, first of all, addressed the whole quote to God. And number two, he added the word you in the end of verse 5 to make this personal. And that shows us that the way he understood the quote from Proverbs is that he understood it in terms of God the Father or God as Father dealing with his beloved children. And that will be you and me. Amen? So now that's how he quoted that verse, how he quoted the, ver the verse from Proverbs. Now let's look into his sermon on these two verses that he quoted. We'll start with verse 7, the second part of verse 7 and the, um, the verse 8. The author of Hebrews tells us pretty much three things here. In the second part of verse 7 and verse 8, he's talking of discipline that it is evidence that it is proof of sonship. You guys are with me? The training ground is actually evidence that you are a true child of God. But number two, in verse 9 to verse 11, the author of Hebrews is pretty much telling us that discipline is for our own good. So that is his main two points. I apologize, two, not three. Two points when he preached his sermon. Number one, discipline proves sonship. And number two, discipline is for our own good. Let's look at number one. Discipline proves sonship. In the second part of verse 7 and pretty much verse 8, he's pretty much telling us that the fact that you are being disciplined, that you are going through hardship, is evidence itself that you are a true child of God. That's what he said. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? So in that part, the author of Hebrews is telling us that discipline is evidence of sonship. 
verse 8, he's telling us that the opposite is also true. The lack of discipline is evidence of the lack of sonship. You guys are with me? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. The lack of discipline shows that you are not a true child of God, not a true son, and not a true daughter. You guys are with me? Now listen to this. I was, I took my kids to the mall uh, this week. It was hot and I, I don't do good with the heat, so I just took them to the playground in the mall. And I, I'm watching everybody. I'm watching Micah and Kezia and Sila. And Micah loves to, when he goes to the playground, to like go to other boys, other kids, and just, he goes say hi, and he starts hanging out with them and play tag with them. That's, it. That's what he does every time. So this time he goes, and there's the bigger kid. I, I think he's a few years older than Micah, a bit taller than Micah, a little bit rough the way he plays. And I'm watching Micah, and I see Micah goes to him, and he, Micah tells him hi. And I see the other kid, he just, he, he stick his neck into Micah's face, and he screamed in Micah's face. I'm watching all of this. I was mad, because he mistreated my son. You guys are with me? And... I took my side, Micah came to me, and I can tell that Micah was embarrassed by that. Nobody saw it, but I was watching him, but I can tell he's embarrassed. So I hold him by the hand, and I took him to the other kid, and I told the other kid, I was like, don't you dare talk to him like this again, right? Because I was just mad that Micah's heart, Micah's feelings got hurt when he's not trying to do anything wrong. Now, what the other kid did, was it right or was it wrong? Wrong. wrong. Did I try to discipline the other kid? Did I just give him time out because he mistreated another person? No. Why? Because he's not my son. If that was the other way around, if Micah was the one who screamed at the other kid's face, then guess what? I'll be livid too, but for the other reasons. You guys are with me? I'll give my son time out, and when I go home, if I, I'll take his toy away, or I'm going to enforce some sort of hardship. You know why? Because I want my son to grow up learning to treat other people with respect. Think about that. The other kid did it, and he didn't face any hardship. His parents haven't seen it. I don't know what they do, but he didn't kind of face any hardship for it, right? But if my son would have done the exact same thing, he would have faced some hardship for it. You guys are with me? This hardship that Micah will go through is evidence that he is my son, that I care for him, that I want to train him, I want to develop character in him, so he, when he grows up, he can be a man of integrity. You guys are with me? Listen, I might wish the other kid the best, but I want my son to be the best. And that's a big difference. You guys are with me? And I will do whatever it takes, if includes even in, in inflicting some sort of hardship, time out, spank, whatever it takes, so that he learn that he cannot treat people this way. Amen? Amen? And that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us here. This hardship that you're going through is evidence that, that, that God cares that you are true sons and true daughters of the living God. Amen? Amen. Now, this is amazing to me because every time we go through hardship, the enemy lies to our minds and our hearts and tell us this. The reason why you're going through hardship is because you are not important to God. If God truly cared, he would have not allowed you to go that hardship. You guys are with me? And we start giving into these lies when the scripture tells us the exact opposite. It's
it is because God cares that you're going through this hardship. You guys are with me? It is because you are of the utmost importance to God. That's why you're going through this training ground. This is the exact opposite of every lie that the enemy is trying to feed your mind and your soul and your heart. Amen? This hardship, the author of Hebrews says, is evidence that God loves you, he's equipping you, he's training you, he's developing character in you so you can mature. Amen? Every time the enemy lies to you, every time you go through hardship and say, instead of saying, why me, God? And I know it's not easy, but instead of saying, why me, God? You should say, thank you, God. You have a good plan for me. And even though I don't understand it, even though it's hard, I trust that you are a good father and that you're going to use this for my good. Amen? Discipline proves sonship. But also he's telling us that discipline... God's discipline is for our good. When God allows hardship to come our way, persecution, uh, whatever the case is, job, whatever the case is, whenever there's hardship that comes our way, God can use that for our good. Now listen to me. God might not necessarily generate, originate this hardship. Nevertheless, God will still use it for our good. Amen? Amen? And that's what he's telling us here from verse 9 all the way to verse 11. Let's, let's look at these verses. So powerful. In verse 9, that's what he's saying. Moreover, so now he's starting a new point, telling us how God's discipline worked for our good. We all have, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of the spirits and live? Question. When our earthly fathers disciplined us, was that because they don't like us, because they hated us, and because they want the worst for us? No, that's author of Hebrews saying, right? He's comparing God's discipline as our heavenly father versus the discipline of earthly fathers. And say, even our earthly fathers disciplined us. They allowed us to go through hardship and training. If Micah comes to me and he says, Daddy, can you fix this for me or do this for me? I can do it like that because I'm a whole lot bigger and older than him. But I tell him, no, you need to figure it out on your own. And I let my own son struggle to try to figure it out even though I can intervene in one minute and solve it for him once and for all but for his own good I don't want to do that you guys are with me and that's what the author of Hebrews say our even our earthly fathers disciplined us trained us corrected us instructed us yet in response of all of that we did not complain against them we still love them we still respect them because we know what they did they did out of love right and then he says this, how much more? If we respect our earthly fathers for what they have done to us, even though sometimes it wasn't fun, how much more should we submit to the father of all flesh? Does he say that? No, to the father of the spirits. Do you see the contrast? You have the father of the flesh in the first part and the father of the spirits in the second part. And the fact that he says the father of the spirits shows us that our heavenly father is in charge of all realms. The physical realm and the spiritual realm. He is far much greater. He has far more authority. He has far more power. And if we can respect our earthly father, even though they disciplined us, how much more we should respect the God, the father of spirits who has the ultimate and even more authority. You guys are with me? 
And what's going to happen when we, show, when we show the respect and the reverence that we owe God our Father? We will live. That's what it says here, right? And we will live. In the scripture, we see this so many times. That life and the abundant life is so tied up with the word and the commandments of God. You guys are with me? So the author of Hebrews is saying, if we obey the commandment of God. If we are being disciplined for the lack of obeying the commandment of God. If we try to be trained by God so we can stick to his word and his command. What's going to come out of that is life and life more abundant. Amen? But now verse 10, they disciplined us for a little, for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplined us for good in order that we share in his holiness. You guys start seeing the contrast here even more. The earthly father disciplined us just for a short period of time, right? But God can discipline us as long as we live. They died, but God still lived. But not only that, they disciplined us as as much as best as they know how and that implies that sometimes our earthly father can get it wrong you guys are with me they can discipline us but we really shouldn't be disciplined Micah is six and Kazia and Sila like five and four I already apologized to them a couple of times because I did stuff I was not supposed to I got mad for some reason or I got angry for some reason when I should have I should not have to you guys are with me and I have to go back and say please forgive me I should have not acted this way I tried to do my best but I failed so many times you guys are with me but on opposite to that the extreme opposite to that is our Heavenly Father he disciplined us for good not according to his best or as best as he knows how. But every single time the author of Hebrews is saying, every single time God disciplined us, it is for our good. Amen? The earthly father can fail even though they love us so dearly, but our heavenly father will never fail, not a single time. And every time we go through hardship, he's going to use it and he's going to turn it for our good. In order that we may share in his uh, holiness. That is really the goal. Every time you go through training, through hardship, that is the ultimate goal that we share in his holiness. And that shows us that the holiness of God is, is a chief cornerstone in your Christian walk. And God will do whatever it takes so you can participate in that character that he has. Amen? Holiness. And then in verse 11, the author of Hebrews, again, still continuing to elaborate how God's discipline is always for our good. He starts comparing between now and later. The last two verses, he was comparing the earthly fathers with the heavenly father. Now he's comparing now versus later. And the author of Hebrews in verse 11 acknowledged this. Look at this. No discipline seemed pleasant at that time, but uh, so it's not fun, right? And the author of Hebrews knows that. The scripture knows that. Discipline is never enjoyable. Amen? That's what he says here. It hurts to be disciplined. It's tough to be disciplined. You go through a lot of trouble when you are being trained, when you are being disciplined. You guys are with me? But later on, now it is hard, but later on what happens because of all this training ground? Later on, however, it produces one fruit of righteousness and one fruit of peace. Does it say that? What does it say? But later on, however, it produces a single fruit of righteousness and a single fruit of peace. Does it say that? 
What does it say? A harvest. A harvest. That's plentiful of righteousness and plentiful of peace. You guys are with me? He's saying now it is hard and tough. It's even painful. I see that. We read about the Hebrews, how they lost their homes. They, they went to prison. They just endured so much for the sake of Jesus. And the author of Hebrews telling them, I'm not making light of that hard situation that you're going through. I'm not telling you that it's easy and you just should deal with it. I know it is hard. But think about of all of this as a training ground by God. Endure hardship as discipline, as a training ground because if you do so ultimately later on all this training ground that you are going through will produce in you a harvest of righteousness and peace but for who who's that harvest will be for it's for those who are being what trained by it discipline that's true again the author of hebrews is telling us that discipline here is a training ground Remember last week, he told us that the Christian life is what? Is a race. The race that is marked for you. You guys remember that? And it's a race that they should run with endurance. This is not like, again, we talked about this, like run for Alzheimer's or run for cancer and you just walk and run and just drink water and chat with your friends. This is not the kind of Christian life that the author of Hebrews tell us that our life should be, right? It's race that demands endurance, that demands stamina, that demands training, that demands that you're going to go through hardship, but ultimately all of this gonna end up with a harvest of righteousness and of peace if you are being trained right through the discipline that God allows into our lives amen in Isaiah 64 verse 8 Isaiah cried out to God and he said this but now O Lord you are our father we are the clay and you are the potter, you are our potter. And all we are is the work of your hand. Have you ever seen a potter shaping the clay? They, do, they put it in a wheel and the wheel keep on spinning. And the potter will put one hand inside the, the clay, like really pushes down. And the other hand is outside the clay. And as the wheel spins, then the potter just keep on pushing and keep on shaping and keep on molding. And if he see that there is a piece that is out of, out of norm, not the way he wanted to look like, then he start pushing that piece even further. And I don't know about you, but the, all these words doesn't sound fun to me. Spinning, pushing, molding, pressuring, all this doesn't sound fun to me, does it? But ultimately, when everything is said and done, when that piece of pottery is done and it is precisely the way the potter wanted to look like, it is a piece of art. You guys are with me? And that's precisely who we are and that's precisely who God is. Sometimes he has to push areas that is not really according to his will. That is not exactly the way he envisioned us to be. And that can involve pain sometimes. That can involve training sometimes. That can involve discipline from our end sometimes. But if we endure it all, the author of Hebrews say, ultimately we're going to be that perfect vessel. Vessel of honor fitting for the master. Amen? Amen. 
So as long as you're going through hardship, whatever it is, I, 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 I can't, like this week, I'm just like blown away by God's word. Whatever comes your way, remember this, it is ordained by God. It is not some man or some person has charged with you and that person is just inflicting this hardship on you. Endure hardship, whatever hardship come your way, endure that as a discipline, as training ground from the hand of God who's our Father. Amen? And just persevere and say, God, I thank you that out of all of this, you're going to shape me, you're going to mold me, you're going to form me to be a vessel of honor that is fitting for your hands. Amen? Amen. In 1902, I'm going to close with this. A lady by the name of um, Adelaide Pollard, Pollard, she was hoping to go to Africa as a missionary. And then she failed to raise her fund. Now think about that. You are, I don't know about you, sickness is bad and we all get sick. But you kind of expect sickness to be part of life, right? Okay, I'm, I'm living in a falling world where sin is prominent and weakness is everywhere. I'm expecting that we all eventually going to get sick at some point or struggle with some sort of disease. But this lady, she wanted to serve God. She wanted to leave the United States and she wanted to go to Africa. She wanted to give it all so she can go and tell some people about Jesus. And she worked hard on raising her fund and ultimately she fails. Talking about being disappointed, right? Talking about some hardship, your career, the job that you have been dreaming of. She might have dreamed to be a missionary since she was a little girl. And all these dreams, all these hopes that she had, all these desires in her heart that she had ultimately failed because people didn't want to give her money good enough. You guys are with me? Talking about the discouragement of life. Talking about the disappointments of life. Talking about hardship that come your way. Greatly discouraged that night, she went to a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, one old lady was praying these words. She said, it really doesn't matter what you do with us, Lord. Just have your way with our lives. You guys are with me? Pollard went home that night. She sat down and she pinned these four verses of this timeless hymn. And she wrote this. She said, have thine way, Lord, have thine way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, where I am waiting, yielding and still. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, O oh power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me. Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold over my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only, always living in me. Endure hardship as discipline from the hand of a loving Father. Amen? Amen. I tell you, all week I've been listening to that hymn over and over and over again. Amen? Can we all close our eyes and pray and say, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Amen. Whatever it is, if it's easy, I'll take it. If it's hard, I'll take it. Thou art the potter, I am the clay.